Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landon. And we're here to talk about 20 years of the Phantom Menace. Can you believe it? I can, and I cannot believe it because it seems just like yesterday. We were all gearing up for this. Whether it was uh, your return to Star Wars in the theater, your first experience, or a lot of different uh, viewpoints and opinions uh, along the way and experiences, we're here to talk about it in a bit. Uh, I think I've actually been waiting 20 years to look back (laughs) on this. I can't wait for 20 years from now. (laughs) 20 years. I had no idea. I'm going to have a podcast with some friends in 20 years to talk about this. That's a kind of car, right? A podcast? (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
Absolutely. Uh, before we do that, let's uh, remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Forsen or 180,000 titles to choose from. From your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, our Force Center recommends uh, we'll be here for you, a book we think you should try out on us. All right. Uh, Star Wars, Life Adventures, we've all been wonderfully busy. Uh, Joseph, I saw some wonderful pictures of you and your wife, Sarah, traveling. Yeah. Not yeah. abroad, but it seemed like. <laughs> we did not travel abroad. We kind of traveled abroad a little bit. Yeah, we uh, had just an actual vacation, which my wife and I do not do. We normally go like go to a convention and then maybe have right. an afternoon of fun at a convention <laughs> yes. or family thing. Uh, so we went to Solvang and people, if people don't, you guys have both been there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of uh, childhood vacation point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is just fascinating to me because I did not have a childhood vacation. <laughs> uh, if people haven't been there, it's a Danish town that mm-hmm. like is like 1911, like a bunch of Danish people like we should have a town that's like totally Danish. <laughs> just, <laughs> and it is. Yeah. That's exactly how they said it. Yeah. Like totally Danish. Like totally Danish. Uh, yeah. And then I think somewhere along the way, uh, California vineyards happened and now it's like a Danish town that is all wine. Yeah. And it feels to me so magical. It felt like Disneyland. I was saying mm. to Ken before you got here of like you're kind of in this other world that's real but not really real. A little bit of a fantasy and then add on to it. It's like and also wine all the time. Delightful. Every few steps a little bit more wine. A lot of sweet treats. A lot of sweet treats. Oh, yeah. 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 So it was fascinating to be kind of immersed in a world that it was not super Star Wars forward like almost everywhere else i go in life uh but star wars did poke its its little nose in there's this weird uh christmas all year round like danish christmas all year round store yes right yeah and i went in there all excited and and i liked it and everything but i'm so used to secular christmas and there was a lot of very religious christmas Mm. uh so it was it was like oh this is a little bit fun but also very serious about christmas (laughs) like okay fine that that's fine uh then just inexplicably uh above the counter there was a weird danish wooden yoda wow what? And it just had like a little a little sign that said yoda and like uh-huh we know <laughs> oh, wow. yeah i'll post a picture of him it's like just made out of wood just kind of like you know santa and his elves and also yoda i was gonna say is it like danish yoda is it, it uh, kind yoda? of yeah. yeah i mean it looks like they have little weird sculptures of like the mouse king from nutcracker and things mm-hmm. like that and he's just like giant like and also yoda yoda was there too yeah yeah i yeah. want that yoda How, <laughs> was he for sale I assume so, but he's up, up above the counter, so I think. Oh, he's, so he's expensive. I think so. Yeah, a lot sure. of credits, a <laughs> lot of credits, and like Wada would say. I love that. Uh, if if you if it wasn't for sale, but that Joseph reached for it and tried to buy it, like, <laughs> no, leave our wooden no. Yoda. No. Well, that's a wonderful adventure. It was a wonderful, a well earned lots of wine. You're so right. We all get locked into this. Uh, a uh, convention is a vacation, and uh, some of the drinking would make you think it is. But, Absolutely. Uh, and it's fun, but it's not a vacation. Yeah, yeah. Unplugged. And you went somewhere, didn't you? Uh, I went up to San Francisco with Mr. Mark Ellis to do some comedy. Oh, yeah. Which was great. It was actually my first real comedy set in five, four or five years. Because I've just been doing the weird hosting thing with John. Not weird, it's been fun. But Josh McCook and I just share the stage and do stupid things. Uh, this I had to prepare a set. Ooh. Uh, How'd it go for you? It went really well. Awesome. Um, and then the hosting didn't go well. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was just so concentrated on the yeah. set. Right. But it was a great time. Uh, we get to, I haven't been in San Francisco proper, like actually there since I was a child. I've driven through and, uh, you know, stopped for gas, that kind of thing. But we were there. So Ellis and I did a little wandering, uh, hate Ashbury, all those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, went to Golden, Gate, uh, Golden State Park for a little bit. We shot some videos with our friends up there, kind of funny, did some 
radio promotion. So it was this whirlwind day. We were there for a day. A day? Uh, yeah, wow. I got there like midnight. Uh, left uh, 4.30 the you know the Saturday morning type of th- situation. Um, Did you go see the Yoda statue? Were you I, able to I, do that? You could not get up there. We ah. talked about it, but uh, kind of funny. Their studios, uh, they have a really awesome setup, but uh, they're in a residential kind of neighborhood on the other side. Okay. Um, we we're, were, we're, were thinking about it, because I've never had a chance to go up to uh, the studio or Lucasfilm or anything. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but you've got a great photo yeah. that you took. Oh, I'd love that Yoda photo. So it was a great time and got to meet, uh, I want to point out, because we asked this question, I think, last week, Eric Tassoni. Oh, nice. And his wife, oh gosh, Ken, don't mess it up, Melanie, I believe. Watch it be like Debbie. No, I believe it was Melanie. And they were sweet. He had on a four-setter Speculate Responsibly shirt. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I saw, saw him walk in. And, you know, I don't know who it is, but I just you know he's a listener. So I at one point kind of reached my hand up to say, nice shirt. And he was like, ah, ah. <laughs> like I came out of the shadows. <laughs> um, but we had a great conversation or two after. Um, they're wonderful people, delightful. And so, like we always say, we love seeing the Four Center fans out in the wild. Yeah. So Eric, uh, Melanie, hello. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Jen? Mm, not much that I can recall. Uh, a lot of lack, <laughs> lack of sleep. We are still on the, the hunt. Well, not the hunt. We've been, we're interested in getting a, a dog. And uh, so I was trying to come up with Star Wars names. I was like, well, I got to have a Star Wars name from, for the dog. But looking at this dog that we were looking at, mm. it didn't really evoke anything specific. Um, so I was having a really tough time. And then it, I was like, it looks like a Max. And I went, oh. <gasps> I got it. Max Rebone. (laughs) 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 And I cracked myself up for way too long. So then I told my husband the next day, I'm like, I got the name. Uh, Max Rebone. And he was like, what? What What is that about? (laughs) And so then I got the figure off the shelf and I was like, Lucy, Lucy. Who's this? And she's like, Max Rebo. <laughs> oh, yes. I said, this, this is who. Yeah. And he's like, uh, well, if it makes you laugh that hard, then okay. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like some <laughs> vaguely naughty PG-13 80s adventure <laughs> hey, movie. No, of no. Max Rebo, and it's Tom Hanks and a kind of saucy dog. Oh, no. <laughs> having no, a shelly adventure. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing is it does have a little bit of a <laughs> So I got to work on that. He just he doesn't look like an oh. Ewok, so. Uh, and then I was like, Max I don't want to name it Chirpa. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Chirpa. Yeah, I think you've done well. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, Jackson. But then, you know, in my head, I'm thinking the way it's spelled in Star Wars, two X's. Yeah. But, you know, Jackson. people are going to think like, oh, you my, uh, yeah. you're a Jackson 5 fan? Like, oh, but that's yeah. a great conversation to have with people. Like, here's my dog, Jackson. You know, like the rabbit. I'm like, what? <laughs> the space <laughs> rabbit. What the hell are you talking about? Green. <laughs> it's actually a lefty. Oh, Max, Max Rebone. Uh, wow. I think it's we so need dumb. a amazing. So I think we need dumb. like a Brian Ward fan yeah. art oh poster. Gosh. Yeah, we might need a t-shirt oh, of gosh. a blue dog playing a, <laughs> playing a f- f- space piano, <laughs> space keys. So dumb. <laughs> well, I don't know if we'll even get that dog. I'll have to come up with a new name. <laughs> oh, that's that's oh, precious gosh. though. Gosh, that was my weekend. <laughs> that was a great weekend. That was a great weekend. Uh, <laughs> let's dive into the news. Oh wow! Well, there. Well, you know. I was going to say there wasn't a lot, but there was some juicy mm. yeah, news yeah. revealed. Uh, but first, Entertainment Weekly gave us a first look inside the new Star Wars virtual reality experience, Vader Immortal, and it looks 
terrifyingly cool. Vader Immortal from ILM X Lab will be available on the upcoming Oculus Quest wireless headset and as part one of a trilogy as creators plan to roll out. As a participant of the experience, you're performing as a captured smuggler whose sidekick is a droid co-pilot. Z- I guess I think it's pronounced like Zoe, but Z-O-E-3, mm. voiced by Maya Rudolph. You'll encounter Vader in his castle on Mustafar, where you learn that you have latent force powers, and Vader believes you can help him solve an ancient mystery that will lead to relics that can help the Sith bridge the chasm between life and death. Throughout the experience, you may be assisting Vader, fighting side by side, or trying to escape and catch glimpses of him through the slats of a ventilation corridor. Uh, Vader Immortal is basically all about exploring the space of this foreboding and forbidden place of Vader's castle. Did you guys see the footage of this experience? I think that they showed it initially, right, at Star Wars Celebration? Yeah, yeah, I don't think I've I've dug up and looked too closely at it myself. Yeah, and, and we're hoping, uh, we're trying we're, to get uh, uh, Force Center at some maybe future press events so that we could experience it here. Yeah. So I, I've heard great things. You have. Uh, I don't, in this day with v, VR, it's just, it's mind-blowing, so I expect it all to be great anyways. You know, like, yeah, I, yeah. And, and whoa, and that's what I hear a lot of people, like, whoa, and that's that's good. Yeah, <laughs> to me, I, like, I have my like analytic Star Wars brain yeah. about like the story and the creation right. of it and all that, but then at the same time, it's like, hey, remember what? When Star Wars, immersing in Star Wars was making my, you know, Luke Skywalker action figure talk to my Ben Kenobi, like feeling like I am in yeah. Darth Vader's castle. Like mm. that's just got to be cool by itself to just have that experience. Yeah, it's it seems cool. The story, I mean, they put a lot into it. Uh, the bridging between life and death and, and that kind of stuff is a, is a constant theme with the Sith, right? Yeah. It's part of their power grab. And I heard, of the, I heard there's a character called Black Bishop, which is a mysterious... Imperial dignitary type of character, Ooh, but I, nice. I don't know much more beyond oh. that. But I heard, I heard it's uh, really cool, and, yes. and uh, the, the creators I hope it, I hope it shows up in other things. Yeah, and there's like a priestess. It yeah. uh, when I watched the footage, it was actually really scary. <laughs> it was like yeah, at first yeah. I'm like, oh, this is cool. You're exploring whatever. Oh, this is this would be terrifying to be immersed in this world. I think I'd be frightened. Uh, but it is interesting because it is only going to be, I guess, available if you buy this headset. Yeah. So not like what you did, Ken, right? Yeah. Where it's just where you went to a place. Oh, the the, the void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. The, the, uh, you can the, just go to Glendale Mall and do that. One. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This will require you four hundred dollars. Yeah, and that's and that's. I have to admit, that's why I'm not as excited since the word. But you know, like I'm like, cool. This is great. I love hearing everything and and love to uh, try it out one day and stuff. But like, I I don't see myself having this in my in my house yet. Yet, I didn't think I'd own a play, P- P- PlayStation 3. Yeah. <laughs> I own a 4, two fours. So, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not a home experience for me yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe a couple titles in, they start to get more, because they don't call it games. They call it like experience or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're not like a, a player. You're like a participant. Uh, but once they get more titles, I imagine then people might be willing yeah. to shell out the money. Yeah, I think so. I think I'd be more interested once there's kind of a whole catalog. Exactly. Because there's like, this looks really cool. But, you know, David Esquire as a writer is usually, like, very nihilistic. Mm. Like, you know, he wrote Man of Steel, and I think he's one of the people who has the quotes of, like, there's nothing fun or funny about Superman, which, like, (laughs) hey, great, valid perspective, and you're writing about, you know, a Sith doing dark things in his castle. But Mm. there's a part of me that's like, I want to, you know... I think I'd be more excited if there are like lots of different stories. Ewoks. If you throw their Ewoks. Yeah, some nihilism about Ewoks. <laughs> then oh um, $400 for that. No problem. <laughs> right away. I'm all right oh with that. God. Yeah. 
Well, get ready for many more years of Star Wars films. Last week, Walt Disney Studios released their upcoming schedule of films for all franchises, and basically, Disney will be owning the box office for the next decade or so. After the rise of Skywalker, Lucasfilm will be taking a brief hiatus on the movie front, but we now know we'll be getting new Star Wars films starting on December 22nd, 2022, followed by 2024 and 2026. So this was the big news of the week. Huge. Now, I want to speculate. Oh, yeah. I don't even know if I want to do it responsibly. <laughs> let's, <gasps> let's get wild. Yeah, because there's been so much like talk about, well, okay, there's, that means there's only three films, right? So yeah. uh, is it Dan and Dave's? Yeah. Is it Ryan Johnson's trilogy? Is it? Are they alternating? It's the it's Adventures of Max Rebone is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Calling it now. <laughs> Speculate irresponsible. Oh, uh, no, this is so yeah. fascinating. I, I mean, I think it's really interesting to look at it all as, well, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But then the fact that they announced it all together is like, from lots of perspectives, this isn't Star Wars. This is Disney. Mm. And the amount of Star Wars films that they're willing to create has to do with getting in their own way as Disney, mm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that like there's all these creative decisions about, like, well, if Solo had done amazing, then maybe they'd still be on board with Standalone, and maybe they would have announced six, mm. but why take that risk when they, basically, there aren't enough weekends <laughs> yeah. in the year for Disney, since the MCU has proven oh to be, gosh. like, we can put two or three movies out. Yeah. So it seems to me that with everything adding up, that it makes sense for them to decide we want Star Wars in the theater to be an event, yeah. and we want to build up, you know, uh, wait time and expectations and hunger. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with, with Foxony, uh, with yeah. the, mm-hmm. the release schedule they needed to put together for that, and you can see some of the effects of of, of that that merger. Uh, you know, good and bad, and there's a lot of bad, and there might be some good. Who knows? But but. I think I, I look at this and go like they they had to like put this together and I don't know if the, I don't know if this is final. Nothing is final until it's in the theater. Oh right, yeah. You, you know how many times has Avatar two been moved around before even the the merger happened? So uh, I think though I go you know Iger Khan uh, our, our our favorite force center term here. Uh, I, I think didn't uh, he at one point talk about the importance of keeping the movies events. Yes. Yeah. Am I putting that in my brain? Yeah. And, and Kathleen Kennedy at yeah. Celebration said, too, like, well, we're really looking at, you know, exactly how and when to tell what stories and all mm-hmm. that. Uh, and strategy wise, it makes sense to, like, the to have everything be Disney Plus focused. Right. Uh, I would assume, and I've heard rumblings, that they already have another animated series beyond Resistance mm-hmm. in development. You know, is that going to be Disney Plus? Is that going to be on, you know, mainstream broadcast and mm-hmm. just really keep Star Wars live on television? And in weird headsets that you buy for four hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> in your home, uh, yeah. and then have the movies be events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. as for those events, I mean, yeah. what, Jennifer. <clears throat> as for as for who, who <laughs> I mean, I'm speculating that is that is Dan and Dave. I I think I don't know I don't know what's happening with Ryan Johnson's films, but I think Dan and Dave are so hot right now because of Game of Thrones, and I think that. I think that they would be excited to see what they're going to bring to the table. Maybe Ryan Johnson could, he could move the streaming service or maybe he'll do one film like in the middle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, it could not, I mean, it looks like it is laid out to be a trilogy, right? right? Um, these are the three we yeah. announced, but that doesn't mean that they didn't decide to do like, 
yeah, the Ryan Johnson's first film. Then the second one is Dan and Dave's. And then, right. you know, they, there's like, yeah, we didn't bother to announce all the way to 2036. <laughs> we'll get <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us time. So it's, it's possible that it is multiple films. It's possible that they said, let's try one more standalone. I kind of don't think so. Yeah. No. I think they just shuffled any of those plans to Disney Plus. In a way, that's one of the things I'm excited about this is I feel like this is a guarantee that Mandalorian and Cassian Andor will probably be multi-season. Yeah. And that mm. I think there will be possibly even Obi-Wan on Disney+. Plus. If, yeah. Uh, but I think this is a Ryan Johnson trilogy myself. You do? Yeah. Why? Because I think he has had more time to get it farther along in development than Dan and Dave. Mm-hmm. And I think that from Disney's perspective... And, uh, I am not a movie mogul. <laughs> I have not had that life experience, but I'm just guessing. The fact that Last Jedi was utterly drama-free from them, mm, for oh, them. Right. They have a great relationship with right. Ryan Johnson and Ron Bergman, and Ryan Johnson delivers. And I know this is super controversial. Uh, always, there are people who just plain narrative, not narratively, uh, just plain don't like Last Jedi because they don't like it. Mm-hmm. But I think the vitriol by the numbers the people who are super angry about it are small very small yeah uh, in comparison to the the great reviews the great money that it made the great money it made on blu-ray i feel like from from disney really looking at it from a business standpoint is like yeah i know we as fans discussed last jedi as controversial because we debated a lot mm-hmm. in there people who don't like it because they don't like it and there are people who are violently angry mm. but i think from a business perspective i don't think there's anything on a sheet of paper about numbers that would make Disney go, we shouldn't mm-hmm. pursue this creator that we like his content creatively. And we had a great working relationship with him mm. and we need to move forward. I mm. hope you're right. Yeah. I, I, I really like that pitch. I really, I, I, I really like what you're saying because it is speaks to every, you get every sense that they liked working with him. Yeah. You know, and that goes from, you know, either little tidbits of, uh, uh, gossip or f- news or anything you hear about the, even the story group or Lucasfilm in general and Ryan Johnson going up there to roll up his sleeves and working working with it and and um, that makes sense to me yeah it makes sense to me I, I, I c- it could be a combo I keep going to the silly idea of Ryan takes the light side they take the dark side and they meet <laughs> to the third side but I also like what you just said about yeah they didn't announce past 2026 because that would be really daunting yeah, yeah. here's our release schedule for the next 15 years uh-huh. yeah I just don't see that happening because then how can you hold to that so it could be both but yeah if i had a uh, flip a coin it makes sense to do work with ryan yeah i think you're right i i I mean not right in the sense of that's your prediction we're gonna see if you're right or wrong just like it just emotionally (laughs) yeah seems to. and i just feel like you know knives out his next film is yeah you know, I think he's editing it but it comes out in december and it's done dan and dave are still in the middle of Mm -hmm. obviously the, the show is done, yeah. uh, is of next week for Game of Thrones, but it feels like they're still in the midst of that. Yeah. And have not sure. been making a new Star Wars movie that has to actually start pre-production soon. Soon, yeah, mm. soon. Soon. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but the MCU, man, I, I was like, there are like three films, I think, in one year, which I yeah. guess is mm-hmm. normal, but it, it, yeah. they've I, ratcheted it up to that, yeah. Oh, so I was just like, that's just crazy to me. But then I thought, well, yeah, but we have Galaxy's Edge, which is all yeah. Star Wars. So we're going to end with the streaming service. We're going to have so much Star Wars in other places that it will be, you know, yeah, I think you're right. The whole Kathleen Kennedy, um, uh, Bob Iger, making an event, making mm. it special. 
these these movies. So we'll see. Yeah. 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 What's your wild speculation, Jen? <clears throat> About just, uh, just <clears throat> what do you want? What do you want? What movies do yeah, I want? Yeah, just give just give us a quick <laughs> Oh. Uh, I feel you've been tame. You wanted to speculate irresponsibly. I know. Well, I, that, the reason why I didn't want Dan and Dave was because I did. I don't want to see the Old Republic. I don't particularly uh-huh. care about that. I mean, I think getting it eventually, sure. But right now, uh-huh. I want something brand new, which is why I want Ryan Johnson. Mm. I think he's willing to take risks and go wild way out. Who knows where? I, I can't even imagine it in my brain. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that might be a part of the strategy as well. If they, like they're really saying this is the end of the Skywalker saga, and then now we're going to go uh, to you know uh, an alternate reality, we're going to go into the the unknown regions to a literal another galaxy. We're going to go somewhere just really, really far away from where we have been before, where there's no preconceived notions of what it is or what it could be. It's just like Ryan Johnson has said again and again in interviews. I'm just looking at like what are the basic themes and ideas you know, of mm-hmm. Star Wars, what inspired George Lucas, what inspires me now. That does seem like new new territory. And, you know, right when Dan and Dave were announced, a lot of people said, like, well, they never said theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, So it right. could be that Dan and Dave are also going to be cooking up Old Republic, but it's going to be Disney Plus streaming, and maybe it's going to be... Series, everything yeah. is changing. So it's, it's you know, getting to the point where... Mm-hmm. You know, Netflix has has wanting to be like, sure, we're going to throw a movie up in the theater for like a week so we can get Oscars, right? <laughs> right. You know, and then Spielberg, <laughs> yeah. So who knows? Maybe it'll be that too. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they are both working well, away again. When this all started in 2012, we wouldn't have thought a streaming service was possible. Oh yeah. my gosh, um, no! For them to do Star Wars on, yeah. <laughs> so. I think we're in a great spot. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any wild speculation, Ken? Um, I, I'm still going to my idea that they've now taken one of each. <laughs> I still I'm, think one of each. And I would tell you, I know sometimes we got people who you had lunch with someone who had lunch with someone and we hear these. I don't I have nothing. I had nothing on this. Yeah. One. I had nothing. All the trails are cold. I just like the idea that one little statement that Kathleen Kenning made about them kind of talking. Oh, yeah, right. Them kind of talking. That could mean anything. Like, uh, just right. like, are you doing uh, this character? Nope. Okay, I'm doing this one. Could be anything. But I, I don't know. Maybe they're like, hey, how do you guys feel about yeah, I mean, producing t- this? Maybe I have some other people direct and write. Yeah. I mean, I know that some people heard, it as, heard that from Kathleen Kennedy as they're working now together on one trilogy. Right. And yeah. I heard it as working on their own things but yeah cross-checking to me yeah. yeah to me it's just as a like when i put on variety shows i check with like are you doing a song about this because that's what my right. stand-up set is about mm-hmm. <laughs> and they either would go well together or they won't like yeah. just kind of basic double checking your yeah. your creative output to make sure it complements one another but that's right. my wild speculation how would you both feel uh if it was that 2022 the first of a new trilogy by ryan johnson 2024 the first of a new trilogy by dan and dave and then it that means you're alternating. There are four years in between. Yeah. Like, Ooh. that seems to me like kind of trying to have your cake and eat it, too, in a bad way of having an yeah. event, but then kind of like, which yeah, which character, I, where did we lay off? What's going on? I, and that's a good way to put it. I also wonder, too, if that's uh, – I was just talking about – about some Game of Thrones stuff with a with a, a friend, uh, actually, Ryan Snelling does a Sight Sound podcast, and we we're, were talking about how, you know um, – I think it was Ryan. If Ryan, I'm giving you credit. Maybe it was some other. <laughs> I was talking to a lot of people about you know Game of Thrones. You know uh, Dan and Dave, and and uh, you know that, that's this is over ten years of their life. Yeah. At one point, Natalie Dormer, Marjorie Ty- Tyrell, like wanted off the show. They're kill me, please. Yeah. And they you have to wait. 
And it, it doesn't mean Natalie Dormer hated the show, but like creatively, she wanted to go do other things. Yeah. A lot of people want to go do other things. And so I just wonder if you're like, cool, Ryan, for the next 15 years, you're going to be making this, <laughs> these three movies or something. Yeah. What you're saying, it seems a little much. It yes. seems a little much. Yes. But I, again, I, I think that's some great insight, Joseph, to be like, this doesn't mean it's the end. They didn't say Untitled 1, 2, and 3. They just said yeah. Untitled, Untitled, Untitled. Yeah, so we'll right. see. Three Boba Fett movies. Three oh, different God. origins. Oh, boy. <laughs> We've given three creators the chance to tell the same story. Oh, my gosh. You vote in 2027 of which one you like the most. Because uh, we listen uh, to fans. Oh, yeah. boy. Well, that, that, that's the news. Who knows? We'll break. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a quiet week, but a big, big, big yeah. week. Yeah, huge, huge. Uh, we're going to dive into the Phantom Menace uh, now, but before we do, we do want to recommend an audio book for you. It's our Four Center Recommends, Joseph. That is right, and we are recommending the Phantom Menace novelization by Terry Brooks. I remember reading it back in 99, and uh, now you should go listen to it because it's got some really interesting stuff in it. It really does, and download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash forcecenter for your free audiobook. I'm about four chapters into my Phantom Menace novel reread, and then Master and Apprentice came out. And I was like, well, I guess technically that's a prequel to that prequel, so <laughs> I'll go back. So I just finished that, so maybe I'll pick that up, though. we got Alphabet Squadron. There's just... Just a plethora of Star Wars books to read, so good problem to have. We are going to dive into this. Like I said, this is a topic 20 years in the making. It seems like just yesterday, the Phantom Menace bursted onto the screen, and it brought with it a lot of opinions that people had. So, <laughs> Joseph, we are looking at 20 years of the Phantom Menace. That is right. We are going to both celebrate and reflect. Uh, so first, I just want to reflect on time. I know there are many different perspectives on Star Wars, depending on your age, and we are all of the age that we saw the original trilogy and then had years to wait and get excited for the Phantom Menace. We were alive in the theater. Uh <laughs> <laughs> How does just 20 year anniversary sit with you? Does it, uh, the, I mean, there's those huge cultural things of mm-hmm. your, your mark in time and you have to say, yep, I've been alive that long. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray. Or uh, Jennifer, how are you feeling just about hearing Phantom Menace 20 years? I mean, just from a, a personal standpoint, I'm like, <laughs> oh God, I'm old. <laughs> but what's been really cool is seeing f- younger fans sharing their enthusiasm and incitement. Like, oh my gosh, I remember seeing this when I was a kid and it meant so much to me. This this really was the birth of my fandom. And so seeing it from their perspective is, is really cool. And yeah. it makes me okay with the fact that I am old. <laughs> <laughs> I, I choose to use the term older. Okay, thank because, you. Yeah, uh, yeah, older, I, think, yeah. I think our culture abuses old. We're like, uh, are you older than 25? Well, then you are dust and bones, <laughs> just marking time. Time. Like we got to relax on that. Put to pasture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's weird, right? It's weird. We all every generation goes through it. Of can you believe? You know, this person didn't use a holographic uh, iPhone converter. Like, <laughs> eh, it's all gonna happen. You know, my my mother still pulls down a phone phone book to look at a restaurant. Oh and, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and and as up, she in fact just yesterday for Mother's Day got a new iPad, so everything's good. But there was a, a joke, which you know, you know, she'd be like, "Oh, I'll find out information, pull out a phone book." I'm like that did work and does work. So Does we she all... say Siri to it before she opens the? <laughs> no, Siri. but she should. Uh, so we all go through this, and it. This is a weird one. This is like the when you realize, you know. Um, 
you know, uh, Rattle and Hum is closer to uh, this album as, you know, when you thought that album, first album was old, you know, all yeah. those kind of weird uh, things. Right. And it, it does blow my mind. Yeah. It does blow my mind because it just seems, um, seems on the same age in my brain. Yeah, yeah, I think that's part of it. Is like, yeah, the world has changed so much, but like, uh, my enthusiasm for Star Wars has not yeah. changed. Uh, yeah, and for me, it was just 1999 was a year where like just lots of stuff was happening in my life, yeah. and just incredible year for movies, particularly Radio. genre, you know, pop culture. You got like mm-hmm. Iron Giant, Matrix, which I think uh, Matrix, I think, changed a little bit of the reception of Phantom Menace for people our age uh, because it was this sort of very different take on sci-fi right. and grittier and then uh, and then Jar Jar comes out and steps in some poop yeah you know and if uh, I think for some people our age who, who are expecting a little alright Star Wars is gritty man like um nope wow. <laughs> did yeah. the Matrix come before the yeah. fa- oh that yeah, like okay a, that uh, explains like, something yeah Matrix came, yeah. yeah and then like uh, other things that have like grown in stature uh, you know Office Space uh, oh, came wow. out and, and I, like I said Iron Giant uh, Sixth Ma- Sense came Magnolia out Magnolia for me was oh, Magnolia. my favorite but yeah oh. American Beauty stuff like that yeah, wow. Fidelity, yeah. Fight Club just Fight like Club. A, a he- 99's a big year oh, 99 is a huge year for just kind of like here are different tracks pop culture and yeah. narrative storytelling are, are gonna go mm-hmm. uh, so I think totally. I ref- I'm reflecting on Phantom Menace but that whole year too mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah everything that came out uh, so yeah like I said we're gonna reflect and we're gonna celebrate so we're gonna talk a little bit about the movie itself but we're also gonna talk about our experience so let's travel back to 1999 Jennifer what are your memories of the first time you saw the Phantom Menace I spent uh, ever since I knew we were doing this episode I spent the week thinking about my memory and uh, Malcolm Gladwell has this podcast on memory and how our memories just warp things into believing that they're truth, even though they're not true. (laughs) So here I had thought, I think I've told this story about how I went to the Gromis Chinese theater and I, I thought I saw Phantom Menace. And then when I saw the date of when this came out, I was like, I was in New York studying <laughs> in the, the year that this came out, the month. Wow. And I was like, Oh no, that means I saw attack of the, I, either, I think I'm pretty sure I saw attack of the clones at the Grauman's Chinese theater. Cause by then I was in Los Angeles. So then I was like, where the heck did I see this? How do I not have, I literally cannot think of any memory. Wow. This is what's really, it was really frightening. And, and, but I do have memories <laughs> of buying the action figures. Yep. Yes. I remember bu- uh, the excitement about buying these action figures before the movie came out. And then it was like, my memory has been wiped. From once I saw the film, which I think is something psychological (laughs) that I I worked through with you guys. Okay. But yeah, I'm assuming I saw it in Orange County. I'm assuming I saw it maybe not on opening day, unless I saw it in New York. I don't know. (laughs) So you you saw Phantom Menace in New York, but you don't remember. I don't know. I think I probably saw it in Orange County, but I must have not seen it the opening day, which is surprising for Mm, me. Yeah. So I'm really questioning my judgment back then. Right. Because I was so excited about the film. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what happened. It was a crazy time. There was a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. I was, I know. 
I just kind of want to ask about New York. Now. I just, like, well, yeah, I, right. I'm, I'm having this I was like, like uh, uh, this. This isn't you know our our memories of the '90s podcast. This is Star Wars, but like, what were you doing in New York? I can't oh, yeah. let it go. I, well, I was I was in college, and so I okay. was studying uh, dance and acting and singing. Okay, it was a very exciting time. Yeah, very exciting time. <laughs> yeah, and so like I now you're saying the Matrix and uh, Magnolia and all uh, these movies, uh, and I think that that contributed probably to my reaction to the Phantom Menace because at that point I had just really decided I was going to be an actor i really this is what i want to do um and i was so inspired by all these films happening i think the phantom menace perhaps is why i just don't remember yeah but i was excited it's really cool that you're unsure about uh, the phantom menace (laughs) the phantom memory oh boy (laughs) ken uh uh, we've talked about this before yeah what what are your memories yeah yeah i won't reset it too much there i do i do have i I do know where i was um i do know the time because i even have the ticket that (laughs) fell out and confirmed it uh, gosh, I remember the toys. Just uh, it was uh, Toys R Us up in Granada Hills, Puerto Ranch area for me, with some work friends. I ran into. I didn't go. I went by myself, but I ran into them. And I remember I ran into this dude. I'm just gonna say Bill because I'm not gonna give his last name away for anyone listening. Some people do know him who, who listen. Old friends of mine. Um, he was one of those uh, too cool for school, make fun of me kind of dudes. Because oh. uh, my uncle was our boss, and he kind of uh, he got the job because. Of the, and uh, I ran into him. I turned the corner. And he was there with like a handful of, of you know, panakas. <laughs> and it was, it was like, this is a different time. It was like I caught him being a nerd. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, hey. You know, I'm like, yeah, man, it's cool. Like, yeah. now give me that Leia or the Padme and uh, surrender dress or whatever. Figure. Um, so I have memories of that, seeing it. And then um, it's weird. The reactions and we're going to talk uh a little bit more about it, but I, I, I've been on a, this weird, wonderful journey with it, and I find myself now being more in line where I was three, four, five viewings in than the 20 years in between, if, yeah. if that makes sense, um, which means I was on to something then. I just fought against that. Yeah. It's a different... We're going to dive yeah, into we'll, Yeah, we'll dive into all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I remember I saw it at Inver, Invergrove Heights, a, a suburb of, uh, of the Twin Cities. A bunch of friends did the wait in line thing and they did a thing where you could only have, you know, you could have so many other people who weren't in line. You could buy so many tickets. Oh, right. So I didn't wait in line, but my friend was there waiting in line for me. And like, I remember, I, I feel kind of ashamed to say this, but it was such a big day to me. I remember this day the same way I remember the day I got married. Wow. That's fair. That's Be- fair. Because I put it in my brain the same way where I was like, this is the day I'm going to see Phantom Menace slash this is the day I'm getting married. Look at the, this is, a, I remember like little mundane details about like mm. picking my friend up at work. And it's kind of mm. in the same mm-hmm. kind of like, I remember putting my shoes on the day I got married to be like, this is the day I'm putting my shoes on on the day I get married. Weird. Uh, so I just, yeah, I remember talking to um, my uh, my manager and assistant manager at Kinko's at the time where I was working and they were all excited for it because they, I remember uh, my manager reading the Phantom Menace novelization and just like, enjoy the movie. Uh, Anakin's a Christ child. Like, what? Wow. <laughs> he just like spoiled it for oh me. Oh my gosh. That's where I quit. I, I, one of my supervisors who's now a, a sheriff's detective, uh, he, he was, and he, I was there, he finished the last page, closed the book and I just went, don't tell me anything. And he was just like, oh, you're going to be happy. That's the only thing, but I was, yeah, that's, we both had similar, yeah, similar. supervisors on, reading manager. the book. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so many memories in one in particular, there was this, I didn't know the guy who, who organized the line at that particular theater. Okay. But, and this is so weird to me now when you can reserve seats for theaters, which seems like the way to do it. But people waited in line for days but couldn't reserve right. the seats for the individual yeah. theaters. So, uh. like, 
1201 and we were like sitting on the floor of the theater because we were all allowed in the building at mm-hmm. that point. And it was getting closer and closer to when they were going to open the doors and it was just going to be a mad rush. And he stood up and I, I think he had a lightsaber and went on kind of this m- mad king rant of like i have waited 16 years i have waited in this line for this many days i have been to this theater this many hundreds of times scientifically this seat is the best seat in the entire theater and i will have that it, it was oh my god it was like it would tip from like yeah to oh are you gonna hurt people like, Ted's yeah. broken <laughs> yeah so lots of uh, uh memories of the actual viewing yeah. uh but let's get into how we we felt mm-hmm. that that initial viewing, what bothered you back then, and what did you love that first time? So, for me, what, what bothered me, some of the, you know, stilted acting dialogue, some of the things we still talk about. Um, Jar Jar, I wasn't like, ah, but the Piosa moment, like, it, I was like, all right, I did not of that, you know, the the getting his hands caught in this pod race, a lot of those things stood out to me, I didn't like, but I, I still, I still liked it, and I loved Darth Maul, and I loved the fight, um, after the first few, and I remember standing around with my friends, and we were all laughing. We were like, "Oh, it wasn't the bet when the when the when the uh, uh, Tuscan Raiders shot at the pod." No, yeah. it was so cool. And then, like years <laughs> later, people were like, oh, "It was stupid." I'm like, "But wait, I was there with you when you said it was cool. <laughs> I, was, I was stood right there at the Winnetka Pacific Theaters." Um, so that was my my initial viewing. Like um, some things, it really didn't work for me. Some of it, like I remember. Silas Carson, the first line, like I was just like, oh, this doesn't, this seems different. This seems mm-hmm. different. Yeah, and that was the initial viewing. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Jennifer? Do you remember what spoke to you? Yeah, I do. I remember. I remember the feeling I got. Now, to be fair, I I remember the special editions when they came out. I remember that experience like my wedding. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that to me was <laughs> covered in uh, magazines and stuff. There. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. But so so the, but the Phantom Menace. What I think is interesting is that I do remember the feeling that I got, and and it was a disappointment. Um, which I think was fair where I was as a fan and what was going on during that time in pop culture. So the thing that bothered me the most, which is really funny, is that Jar Jar obviously stood out because he was so slapsticky and comedic. And I remember thinking, Star Wars, like, I don't know. I mean, you know, when he, I love the Ewoks and Jabba and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is not the Star Wars that I know. This is like, I, I guess I took it so seriously. Yeah. Which is hilarious to me because I'm like, now I watch it and I totally get what George was going for. And I, I, I love Jar Jar. I've grown to love him. Uh, I did not like, uh, I love Natalie Portman as an actress. I felt like she came off really stilted and that was troubling to me. I remember thinking, what's going on? Um, but there were a lot of things I did love, like the costumes, having Padme, uh, the music. There were big highlights, like these big, you know, the pod racing sequence I thought was thrilling. It was really, I awesome. felt like immersed in the movie. Um, and of course, the, the Darth Maul uh, scene was fantastic. So there was a lot of good, but I do remember feeling like, hmm, maybe I'm getting too old for Star Wars. Where, really? Yeah, because I knew that it was, like it was meant to be, like with the kid at the center of it, you know, and, yeah. and Jar Jar, I just felt like maybe, maybe, I don't know. But remember, guys, I was like, I'm a, I'm a theater, I'm a serious actor <laughs> now. So I think yeah. that, obviously, I think my my uh, my feelings changed once I got to Attack of the Clones. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, it, like, for me, I reflect on just the, the generation that I am, that we grew up with, 
uh, a lot of content that was sort of like predictable and safe, like mm-hmm. sitcoms reset, even, you know, edgy dramas didn't have much of serialization to them. So I think from my perspective, I, you know, you start to grow up kind of hungry for that, like something that breaks the mold and something that's edgy and, and pushes boundaries. And I think, uh, for myself and many people, Star Wars started to live in our mind with those moments of like the trauma Luke went through, and you know, oh, he finds mm-hmm. out his own father just cut his hand off, and oh, nice. Boba Fett's so cool, and <laughs> you know, it, you just uh, so focused in on this is what Star Wars is mm-hmm. that I feel like when I saw ni- uh, uh, Phantom Menace in 1999, I had lost sight of. Yeah, and then Chewie roars at the mouse droid, mm-hmm. and it turns around, and he laughs, right. and like that's. All of these moments that kind of led to Jar Jar and led to this sensibility of fun mm-hmm. were in there, uh, but I was I was not sure about Jar Jar because of the because of the comedy. Mm-hmm. Really didn't like the the lines uh, that were kind of too real world, like the mm-hmm. you know I don't mm-hmm. care where you're from, that's gotta hurt. Like yeah, that's an SNL bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. do SNL bits in Star Wars. Was like uh, yeah. my biggest yeah. thing, but the overwhelming love of not just Darth Maul, but everything in the fight scene including just that visual nonverbal storytelling of Qui-Gon you know kneels mm-hmm. and Darth Maul paces and mm-hmm. you know Obi-Wan is get, getting his jumping like all that visual storytelling of what is a Jedi what is a Sith I remember just being like whatever else in this movie I want to see it again I want to think about it I can't stop thinking about it because of those parts that really spoke to me mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and love so much um, what do you now love that you maybe didn't at the time or weren't sure about? I, I think uh, it's it's the story, uh, overall story, and, and the, the the Phantom Menace of it all. Yeah. Where, so I saw it eight times in the theater the first time, uh, the first run. Um, and about the second or th- third viewing, by then people, you got the sense, even though pre-Twitter, how did we not know anyone's opinions right away? <laughs> but you got the sense that this wasn't going over well. Um, and so... I had a roommate at the time, and it's weird because we're not, uh, we sh- did not end the year as friends, and he's not someone I would talk to, but someone I'd known for years. And he was uh, down here, uh, he's about four years older than me, and he was a history uh, student at uh, CSUN, Cal State Northridge. And he loved it, and he loved the, the movie, and our roommates did not, and they were kind of fighting over it and everything. Part of the reason he's no longer, was no longer a roommate at the end of the year. <laughs> he was hard to live with. But he and I had these discussions and, and I wish I could remember the details, uh, but he was like, here's a lot of stuff George has drawn on historically mm. about the British empire going yeah. down to, you know, uh, other parts of the world and, 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 um, fighting native armies and, and the, even the rolling green Hills were, uh, some, you know, were from this actual battle and history and everything. And I just remember thinking, Oh, I'd love this. I love this. And I had a discussion with my aunt, my aunt, my now my late uncle about here's why you should see it. It's a story of this, and I was really focused on that. Yeah. And then I felt I had to no, but Jar Jar's Piosa and uh, Fodes and Beat are stupid, yeah. and and not that that is wrong to have that opinion about that because I still don't like a lot about that. I love Greg Proops, but even even oh, then yeah. that doesn't work for me. But now I find 20 years later, I meet Joseph. We have a, a drink at a convention, and we're doing podcasts, and 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 just. What was it? A week ago, the two weeks ago, the Palpatine episode. Yeah. When you sit and you touch upon a line of of here's what Vader said at Empire, and it and it sends shivers down my spine because I'm like, oh, that connects to 40 years of Star Wars. That's how I love watching it now, and it was so interesting to think that I was kind of watching it like that then, but I buried that. Mm. Yeah. And it took me till like you know 15, 20 years later to get back into that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes that makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, Jennifer, what what do you like now or appreciate now that you didn't then? 
I think watching the Phantom Menace documentary was really helpful. Seeing all the work that was put into it, all the all the thought process behind it, seeing Ahmed Best behind the scenes, his enthusiasm, what he was trying to do, what he wanted to do, and what George was directing him to do. Yeah. Uh, and then seeing my daughter's reaction to Jar Jar, she loves him. So obviously George was on to something, Ahmed was on to something with that performance. Um, so I really, I love that now. And I think also I, I love the special effects, which back then, I don't think I really, I don't know. I, it felt didn't feel Star Wars to me. It felt too glossy. Mm. But mm. again, mm-hmm. now I understand how they were trying to push the boundaries. I, I you know, I, I love uh, Coruscant and, and I love, mm-hmm. yeah. And I love like just all the different things that we see, all the different planets I thought was, uh, were really beautiful. So but that's just because I've watched the behind the scenes now. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. from an artist's perspective, I'm going to always give them credit for trying. <laughs> <laughs> sure. you know? yeah. And they were really, they were, I mean, they were making movie history. And so if you look at it like uh, like a time capsule, it's really impressive. Right, yeah. I mean, Bess is like a huge pioneer of yes. all of the CGI kind of work that we have now for character creation and yeah, motion capture and yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. from from jar jar to snoke yeah yes the star wars story um yeah i think for me some of the things that uh my appreciation of the movie continued to grow as the other prequels came out and i started to see how the how the pieces fit together and mm-hmm. where like anakin's overall story was going because i remember uh, feeling kind of concerned about like oh I want to know what's going on in the big picture and now getting to understand like, well, this is our kind of peek into when the, the galaxy was functioning a little bit better and Mm -hmm. everything is nicer and that's a real specific design choice, but then things start to fall apart. Um, So the whole big political story, the design, but the big thing that I appreciate more and more is Padme. Like I remember back in the day, even fighting Mm -hmm. with my friends of like, no, I don't feel like she's stiff. I feel like that's a real choice for, Amidala for the queen mm. behind all this makeup to be stiff and she's you know much more natural as Padme uh, and I love that that's become canon mm-hmm. I love the story of this society of you know a, a young woman is the ruler mm. and just everything narratively in the film that I think I was distracted by other things as a, you know a young man at the time mm. I love watching the plot of Padme being like no one else in the galaxy cares that this truly awful thing has happened mm. to this otherwise kind of low importance planet and I will not let it happen mm. even to the point of messing up like mm. master string puller Sidious and I remember even being a little confused by that plot point of like well what did he want to have happen and like mm. well he got ultimately what he wanted of the the vote uh, you know the pity vote but I loved that the story is I have to keep making up new ways mm. for this to play out because she is not falling in line the way I expected her to. Yep. You know, and you just, I, I appreciate that more and more in, in the, you know, we'll negotiate a new treaty, you know? Absolutely. The, you know, you will find controlling her will be easy and it's not. And uh, nope. Padme versus uh, Palpatine is, is really plays out even more in the Clone Wars animated series. And I think it traces back to those moments. So yeah, I agree with you there. But yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit, uh, you both, when you were talking about memories of the film itself, immediately went to just kind of living in that cultural moment. Mm-hmm. So what memories do you have? Can you talk about your action figure memory? Mm-hmm. For me, my I had a similar action figure thing the day that they came out. I was shocked when I went to Target. It's like, it's the day. It's the day I've been waiting for. Yeah. Uh, and I went to basically every Target in the larger metro area. I also ran into a friend who is 
like seemed like oh, I like Star Wars okay. Uh, and he was there with his uh, at the time girlfriend, who I discovered in the aisle was pregnant. <laughs> so I always remember like that kid is the same age as Phantom Menace <laughs> when, I, when I see him on social media. Um, but yeah, just I remember the that the first time in my life that truly being immersed in nerddom, mm-hmm. where it was kind of like a weird kind of quiet thing, but like everybody at yeah. my work at Kinko's was talking about it. You couldn't go to any place without seeing a Star Wars thing, you know, going to Taco Bell to get cups and all that. Just yeah. it being it being in because they did all of the marketing of just like you can't wash your hands without <laughs> somehow touching the Phantom Menace. Yeah. You know, what was that experience like for you, Jennifer? Yeah, I'm, I remember that. I remember being really excited that Star Wars was back because there was a, such a, a long period where, you know, I was. Uh, an age where I wanted I wanted things, so I would go to thrift shops to try and find pins, or go to go to the Goodwill to try and find a Star Wars T-shirt because there was nothing, and then it was everywhere, and it was like, oh, this is amazing, and that's why I remember before the movie came out buying a bunch of stuff, but then after the movie came out, because I had this this strange reaction to it, it felt like I was an uh, slight of a little bit of an outsider. And I was like, mm. well, I don't know if I really want that thing after all, because I didn't connect to it in the mm. way that I had with the original trilogy. Right. But it was still it was still cool to experience it. It was a neat feeling to at least be like, well, Star Wars is back this thing that I love so much, yeah. even though this particular one didn't resonate with me. Yeah. But, yeah. Ken, did you continue buying things? Did you continue interacting with it as you kind of wrestled with how you felt about the film? Yeah, yeah, yes. However, now that I'm now that you say that, I don't own a lot of Attack of the Clones stuff. <laughs> I don't even know where my Attack of the Clones novel is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have my Phantom Menace one, I have my Sith one. I don't know where I have the Attack of the Clones novel. Uh, not that I wasn't in line, not that I wasn't ready for it, but yeah, there was a little, because I bought so much, and I had every one of those Pepsi cans, and oh, so one yeah. of them exploded yeah. and leaked all over oh, them, and I had to gosh. throw them all away. Um, I was all in and it's a weird journey to go back. You mentioned the special editions. Like uh, we, we talk about the dark ages, the late eighties and stuff like that. But that 95, 96, 97 range is when I was in film school and started my radio career, all that kind of stuff. And it was like, I know there was fans. There were my friends, uh, one of the girls I worked with the radio station. We were star Wars fans, but we were in a corner emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but special editions, 97 is like, aha, there's this thing. Hey guys, there's this thing I love. Want to go see this thing I love? It's called right. Star Wars. Ninety nine. It was suddenly like all the people in my work who months before were too cool for school. Yeah. Like I said, that one guy were now like Star Wars, and that was the first time I remember like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Give me loud and yeah. proud. It was. It right. was pretty. Like you felt it. Yeah. You felt it. It was like we're all in on this now. Yeah, yeah. I just, I bought so much stuff. I bought so many action figures. I loved yeah. all the Jedi. I had the large Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul uh, action figures oh, yeah. as well. Uh, my friend and I bought uh, the lightsabers, and we, you know, I was doing sketch comedy at the time, so I did a bunch of sketches. We, we reenacted, basically, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul's lightsaber fight, uh, but uh, they were the odd couple. Mm-hmm. Ah. It, was, it was a whole thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> playing all the video games. And just, I remember be, like talking with friends and having all of the, the stereotypical criticisms that people had, yeah. but still being like, and yet I want to look at this, play with this, wear this mm-hmm. all the time. And I think even way back then, similar to you, that was like, okay, if it's, if I can't, I can't have not liked it 
Yeah. Because I want to be immersed in it at all times. Yeah. Mm. You know? It was just like, I, yeah, we just, we all, it was there. You were in it and you were having fun, even though, yeah, we had some thought. Like, I remember because, you know, here I work security. We had we had radios. And, like, uh, w- some of us would answer instead of copy that or, you know, Roger copy the typical thing. Roger, Roger. Like, <laughs> you know, right. it was there and everyone wanted to be part of it. Okay. Uh, so we've been talking a lot from the perspective of our generation. I want to talk briefly from the perspective of a younger generation. Jennifer, you talked about it a little bit. How do you think you would have felt if that was the first Star Wars film you saw as a child? I think I would have. I think I would have enjoyed it. Um, I do think I would have still gotten hung up on the 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 politics of it. Even though I, I as, as a uh, later teen, I got hung up on that as well. Okay. So I think I would have had a, a difficult time connecting to it. I don't think it would have had the same impact that Jedi had on me. Jedi is just like, it just for me was like such a, an emotional, and it's hard because it's wrapped up in all this nostalgia. Yeah. And seeing there again. Who knows? I could have been in this situation watching The Phantom Menace and had all, remember, remembering all these memories of being, you know, eight years old or five years old or whatever. And so I, and then I was like, oh, of course I loved it because that was like a part of my childhood. So I, it's hard for me to say. But judging from people online, people who saw it and who were like five to ten, this was their Star Wars. Yeah. This was it. So who knows? Who knows what could have been? Yeah. I mean, I can imagine, like, because, partially because what I responded to uh, as a young man uh, was the lightsabers. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like just, like, the sense of adventure that Star Wars has of, you know, just that real, from one problem to the next problem, cliffhanger, action, maybe be a little confused by some of the political scenes. But overall, I think the, the Phantom Menace really has that sense of adventure and particularly being able to attach as a kid to Anakin. Mm-hmm. Like, w- the way I saw the film, it was, this is kid Darth Vader. Right. Am I okay mm-hmm. or am I not mm-hmm. okay with kid Darth Vader seeing, saying yippee? <laughs> but seeing it from the perspective of, oh, yeah, I, I'm like that little kid. My life isn't perfect, and I want to have power, and I want to have adventure, and I want to have a way out, and I want people to believe in me. Like that to me, that that's the core of Star Wars, and I think mm. that's in the Phantom Menace. So I understand why kids would see it and go, "Yes, this is Star Wars." Yeah, look, I have a confession to make. You know, back in the day, uh, seven, eight, or nine, I certainly loved my Star Wars. I I would tune out when Yoda was talking to Luke. <laughs> you know, uh, I would tune out a little bit there, even when Yoda dies and Obi Wan's giving him uh, giving the truth or some version of it to Luke. I'd tune out. Because I, I know they're going to be fighting next. Right. And I have to wonder, I, I, I go back to my cousin who's, you know, now 28 and working. He's a young filmmaker and also working in local Burbank, Glendale politics. Um, I remember at seven, he's, this is his favorite Star Wars film. And that was the first time I had to be like, well... Okay. <laughs> and yeah. now, now that might have changed. That changes a lot. But, you know, uh, Herbie the Love Bug was my favorite movie for a while, and that changed. You know, it's Star Wars past that. Um, <laughs> Not as much fighting. I don't remember him at seven because I used to babysit him or his twin sister who's seven. I don't remember any of them going, I love it, except for the pop. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Politics. Right. <laughs> they just right. went. I love it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's important to remember. Yeah. The whole planet's a city. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Have right. fun with it. It yeah. was wizard. Yeah, it was wizard. Absolutely. Uh, so a yeah. a question that comes up with Phantom Menace a lot, because I think it is it is very structurally different than a traditional movie. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is the main character of the Phantom Menace? I mean, 
And, uh, yeah, that's and that's a great question. Uh, that's a great question, and maybe even a fair criticism attempt. I I don't quite know. I still think Palpatine in a way. <laughs> I still think it's Palpatine's uh, he, rise to power. He, <laughs> yeah, well, he is the one who has it's it's yeah. uh, you know a little bit hard to pull out, but he has a uh, goal and he has uh, some setbacks, and then he ultimately accomplishes <laughs> that goal. So the goal. <laughs> Phantom Menace, Palpatine's hard but good day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jennifer, do you have a thought? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's quite. Gone, which is kind of odd. I mean, it certainly mm-hmm. is an ensemble, but the main character, I mean, for a long time I thought it was Anakin, but when watching it now, it just feels like it's Qui Gon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I don't, I know some people have it as a criticism, but I don't think movies should be cookie cutter. I like a movie mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, this flows along. And then you go, wait, who is the main protagonist? I kind of think it's Qui Gon too, because we yeah. begin with his perspective. The story obviously continues uh, after he uh, <laughs> after he does not after right, he has exactly. a noble end, but it's all still. <laughs> I know uh, it's all still motivated by he had this epiphany, he discovered Anakin, he has this vision, and it needs to move forward based on him. Right, you know, there's a lot of truth, especially having just completed Master and Apprentice. Yeah, there's a lot of it, like. Yeah, that was that was a big thing. That was a big thing for Qui Gon. That was a chapter in his life, the yeah. final one. Yeah. He is the one who sets all this in motion. Uh, and speaking of everything that Qui Gon sets in motion, so we know Anakin's full story now. Mm-hmm. So looking back at Phantom Menace and how it fits in, not just with Anakin's full story, but ongoing themes of the Skywalker saga, how do you feel about Anakin's story in Phantom Menace? Looking back. Mm. I, I actually really, uh, I, 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 I like really Jennifer's like Yoda noises. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like it in the sense of George really believes uh, you should watch it one through six, right? right? He really believes this. Yeah. Like this is the story of six chapters of the, the rise and fall and, and sort of redemption of, of a person named Anakin Skywalker. So I like where it, it goes now Re, the, rereading the novel and it starts with the pod race that he crashes. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of wish that was in the movie. I think that'd be cool if it's, you start the movie, the big pod race. I know mm-hmm. it might take away from the pod race later on. Yeah. And that's a production concern or a story, you know, a, a filmmaking concern. Yeah. But from, I love the novel starts with the, you're right in a pod race. Yeah. And that would have been an interesting, but then Isn't it, then it, to a wounded Tuscan Raider. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of things like, yeah, but then that might've made it more of his story. Maybe chapter one wasn't, you know, again, Qui-Gon or Palpatine and Padme or all that. Yeah. So, so I don't know, but I, I like it more now than even than I did then. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like it has so much more resonance. Like I think when I first saw it, uh, Anakin saying, mom, you, and I'm paraphrasing you, the biggest problem in the galaxy is people don't help each other. feels like, Oh, that's a generic, you know, well-meaning sentiment. Right. But now it's a star Wars story, uh, spins on that theme of, the Sith are selfish. The Jedi are selfless. Uh, all of these themes of found family and when you decide to stand up and defend somebody, like just that idea of helping others being like an absolute key to goodness goes back to even Luke's journey in The Last Jedi where he's wrestling with, well, what can I do to make sure that I help people and not hurt them? How can I raise my my sword in a way that will help other people? Mm. If you're like starting Anakin's journey is... He has this just kernel of incredibly, you know, wise, kind notion from his mom mm-hmm. and how he loses that along the way. Uh, you know, so, so mm. you know, um, we put up, a, you know, I did the Spotlight Star Wars this weekend um, uh, when I got back from San Francisco and I, you know, had to put a picture up of, of, of Padme, uh, not Padme, uh, Shmi and, and Anakin, right? And, you know, someone tweeted, 
Oh, uh, that the, the her act of giving away um, sacrifice, giving away Anakin should have been the core of the series. Prequels are garbage. You know, just a normal troll comment. We don't yeah. try to respond to. <laughs> But I, I want to write back. Well, I would argue that it is. I would argue that George put that all that stuff together with Shmi, and and, and Shmi might have been forgotten and dies quick and technical and everything. But like, I think it tracks all the way to Anakin, uh, Darth Vader's redemption moment. Yeah, that I think he's he. That's what the, his mother put in there, and, and what he learned at an early age, and what you're talking about, Sith versus Jedi. And what's the core difference between the two? He lost it. It's the journey of him losing what he learned. And the choices you make can affect you, and then you either you you know you, you, the choice to be better, which is key to Luke's journey. Yeah, and, and just he that, makes that choice. The theme of letting go, mm-hmm. like that, that is how Jedi access their actual powers by getting in more in flow with the entire yeah. you know universe, with sort of the the truth of themselves, the truth of others, and the fact that that's what Shmi is literally doing and, and literally saying of, you know, I will miss you, but yeah, you have to let go, just yeah. like Yoda then tells. Uh, Anakin, that's how to process losing someone you love. Right. It is It is sad, but let go. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of it tracks to that. Stuff. Yeah, there's so much in it, in Phantom Menace, that I appreciate more and more that was clearly put there very much on purpose that, yeah. it, like it, love it, supports the storytelling of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, you have thoughts, feelings? I think that on paper, I think that I, I really like it. I like where it starts. I like the, the relationship that we see between Anakin and Shmi. Um, and the relationship that he develops with Qui-Gon and, and Padme. So on paper, I really like it. I think it's just in the execution and w- what more I would like to have seen that sometimes gets in my way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no, I, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. And look, I think, um, you know, we know what happened to the poor guy, but Jake Lloyd, I, I you know, you see that documentary at the beginning and mm-hmm. George has screen, you see screen tests with, Two other actors, I believe. And I think there's some technical, better actors. But George went with his gut on the kid's got this spirit to him. Yes. I think when it works, it works. When it doesn't, it doesn't at times. Um, Doesn't mean we should ruin that kid's life and we're all in agreement of that. But, but, um, yeah, I think he went with that gut gut decision that that, that pops up a a couple times. Yeah. And you like it or love it. I think George wanted to show a kid who has is a sweetheart, but mm-hmm. is also, uh, you know, a slave and mm-hmm. maybe has some anger issues yeah. because of that. So he has a lot to overcome. And, mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm appreciating that storytelling choice more and more as time goes on. Uh, we have so many things that we could talk about. We're just going to talk yeah. about a few more. Uh, so the podcast is not 72 hours long. <laughs> I really want to talk about this, though. I love in Phantom Menace the theme of symbiosis. Uh, which gets reinforced again and again, this idea that all life needs other life. Uh, It is there in that line about, you say the most important thing is helping other people. Uh, We have the the Gungans and Naboo, uh, Mm -hmm. people of Naboo who who learn that they need to work together. We got kind of the uh, symbiotic relationship between the sort of cycles of Jedi and Padawan, uh, the master and the apprentice. Uh, It's the whole story of the midi-chlorians that they are... uh, that we would have no knowledge of the force and they would have no life without us and back mm-hmm. and forth. Uh, even that idea of kind of this, uh, a cycle like that being a part of nature is there in the, you know, great line of always, it's always a bigger fish. Like, well, right. <laughs> sometimes we work together, sometimes we eat each other, but it is all symbiosis. We yeah. need each other. How does that idea resonate or does that idea resonate for you at all? Do you it, like it? It does me, Jen, you? Yeah, I never thought about it until right now. <laughs> this is quite profound and I'd love to go watch it now, with this in mind, um, it really puts a positive spin on it all. Yeah. That's uh, great. 
imbalance, mm-hmm. yin, yin yang. I mean, we see this all throughout uh, the Star Wars saga. So it's that's fascinating. Yeah, and this idea that there, there's sort of a balance in nature, in mm-hmm. that in some ways it is what the Jedi are trying to accomplish is to get out of the way of that balance in nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, there's a lot, we'll talk about more when we review uh, Master and Apprentice, there's a lot about, you know, being passive. Yeah. Uh, so how do you feel about that idea of symbiosis and yeah. the Phantom Menace? I love it. It, it resonates now, resonates, uh, you know, you know. I'm, I'm not... I don't want to boil it down to just the working together, but there's a lot of a lot of different ways. The nature one, the fish one. You're talking about the midi chlorians. George was very much about you know we're working with them together in a way. Um, I'm focusing right now on on the Gungans and the Naboo one, which I think is uh, it's one of the over when we look back on Padme. Um, this is a, a leader who was part of a, a, a culture that they they had been segregated. Yeah, Gungans. We know likes liking the Naboo, and Naboo don't like them. And I don't know who's to blame, all to blame, and where it started. We don't have a lot of that history. But, like, think about it. This is a young queen who's, like, for the first time in how many years, uh, she says, no, we need to go work with them. And we need to not be segregated. And yeah. and, and we need to stand together with the Peace Orb. Like, yeah. that's pretty powerful uh, for a young uh, a, a queen to take a lot of these stands. And I really like that moment. And that's the Jedi kind of, you know, oh, Obi-Wan, you must see it. <laughs> Talking to Boss Nass. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you know, maybe the Gungans have some right to be mad at the Naboo. Uh, yeah. Maybe somehow. I don't know. I don't know the history. Yeah, there's um, a, some dark implications in a couple lines of Queen's Shadow that maybe mm. the Gungans were kind of pushed off the land right. by the humans of Naboo. Yeah, and and I think that resonates for me now. And, and it's a powerful Padme moment, which is on screen is one of my least favorite acted moments, I'll have to say, when, you know, when when uh, Natalie Portman bends the knee and and it's a, it's not my favorite delivery of a line, like, but but I can now look at that moment in story and go, well, that's a pretty powerful moment. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So that resonates. Yeah, I think that, that all, it, it, it's fascinating to me to think about what all that means for the entire uh, sort of vision of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And it, just design-wise, almost everything is rounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that even contributes to that idea of like, well, this is the natural order of things is that it flows, that everything yeah. flows. Um, how do you feel about the lightsaber duel these days? I wanted to touch on that because it is the classic thing of people of our generation of like, well, the lightsaber duel was cool. Yeah. Do you still think that lightsaber is cool? A duel is cool. And like, where does it rank for you as lightsaber duels go? Oh, it, it ranks, it ranks good. <laughs> it's good. No, I love it. I love good that. I loved ranking. it then. I think the music, I think my favorite moment of the fight is, is before when Darth Maul arrives and Qui-Gon says, we'll handle this. I think that's a great moment. Yeah. No, I love it. I love Darth Maul. I really love Ray Park. I love this guy's getting a second life right now, getting some press. Um, I just, you know, one of my favorite lightsaber fights has become Maul versus Kenobi on Rebels, which is two mm. seconds. Yeah. And has more emotion to it. I, I, I really love to focus on what these fights teach us versus what they do. Um, but it, this is also what the lightsaber fights we had on the playground. Yeah. I wasn't acting out. All right. Slash slash dead. Now, what did we learn? <laughs> yeah. Jennifer, how do you feel? I think it's, I think it's really cool. I mean, I, I think that what I, what I gravitate more towards are the lightsaber duels that evoke, they're about emotion. I mean, obviously that's why I love Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker because of the emotion that is behind it and the drama. Uh, I feel like the mall uh, Qui-Gon is, is more showy. It's flashy, 
but I like it. Yeah. And especially in the context of the year that it came out with The Matrix, mm. you know, it, that I think that's why I liked it so much because I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. Show me some cool things I haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, mm. But it's still, I mean, it's still pretty thrilling. Ray Park is awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right. Maybe maybe I'm in the minority, but it's still like one of my, I, I, it would compete for number one for me. For, <gasps> really? That's yes. Really because it's, it's partially just, I, I think, I just, I love movement and motion. And I love that this is one of the lightsaber fights where the camera is just pulled way back and we mm. just see the actors in continuous flowing movement. Mm. There's no cuts. So you just do actually get the sense of this is truly what is happening in the battle, this is truly how they are moving, and it's just like just more flowing and kinetic mm. than than all the cuts. And for me, I, I understand I'm putting a little bit of my own sort of uh, ideas into it. But to me, it is really emotional that Obi Wan, this young man who has never had to face his threat before, he's he's facing a threat that Jedi have not faced in years and years and years. Just watch his master die, maybe dancing with the dark side a little bit, and I feel mm-hmm. all of that mm. in that long shot of them, you know, just going at it massively, uh, and flowingly. Yeah. There, there is a, a, there's a lot to learn in that, especially at the end. And what I do love about it and, um, Obi-Wan Anakin has it too, but it's like, I love that it, it does take its time. Yeah. You know, we were used to three lightsaber fights that, uh, I think empire is the one that kind of has a lot of chapters in it. Yeah. And Je- I love Empire. Je- yeah, Jedi that's too. probably my second. Yeah. Second. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you're right there. I mean, you do, if you slow down enough, you do learn a lot about all three of those characters and, and the ways that are there. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so we are going to jump to just uh, some rapid fire celebration. Yeah. Talking about some favorites because uh, we we, uh, we have our, our journey with the Phantom Menace, but I think we're all in a positive place with the Phantom Menace these days. So what is your favorite design in the Phantom Menace, Jennifer? Mm. I mean, when I think of design, I think of fashion. I think of <laughs> Amidala's uh, think costume, the the red gown, throne room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just stunning. The amount of work. I don't know how heavy that thing must have been. Uh, the costume designer whose name escapes me for the moment. I mean, Trisha she, Beggar. Thank you. She genius, genius. Uh, she was robbed of not being uh, winning an Academy Award. Uh, it's just it still holds up as yeah. an incredible design. Yeah. All of all of Amidala's, all of the costumes in the prequels, I yeah. think, are fantastic. Yeah. And this first movie just opening up this whole new palette to Star Wars. Yeah. That still feels like Star Wars, but at a different time. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, so cool that it was not just the same again, but mm. building new new avenues of uh, discovery. Ken, your favorite design? I like a lot of the N- Naboo stuff, uh, uh, Padme's ship and, and and the N1 Starfighters. But I'll tell you what I, I, I think doesn't get uh, talked about enough. I love the uh, the tanks, the, the mm. Trade Federation tanks. The AATs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is a real awesome Earthbound Star Wars version of a tank, and then that's like, oh yeah, that's what it would be like. And I just think it's a real simple, yeah. slick design. Big, clunky, scary, but also sleek. Yeah, at the same time, yeah. I love popping them on, in, into them on Battlefront Two. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just think they're really cool. Man. Yeah, I like shooting them in Battlefront Two. <laughs> uh, yeah, I favorite design. There's so many different things, but my mind went to the Senate chamber. Like, mm-hmm. just think of being given that task as a designer of like. There are, you know, thousands of worlds and all these different species who are in this republic together who all want to be seen and heard. How do you design that room so it it, it feels like it was designed to be an open flowing republic, mm. but there is something kind of rotting in it, in that mm. just those that idea of those little pods that would shoot forward with still mm. that central authority figure in the middle <laughs> and still people being able to kind of shout and echoing in this big grand yeah. hall. 
Yeah, the Senate pods. <laughs> is like, That's good. I love that whole thing. Yeah. All right, favorite line of dialogue, Ken. <laughs> Man, you know, because you could go, you could go kind of jokey, and they're, they're, we love our weird Star Wars yeah. lines that become our favorite. I, I will go this. I will go with Palpatine. And I don't think this would have been my answer 10, 15, 20 years ago. I go Palpatine when, when Panaka's like, hey, hey, Padme, hey, he got nominated. And, and Palpatine's like, a surprise for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just love that it's not a surprise. You planned this. <laughs> it's, it was the plot of the movie, to yeah. be sure. <laughs> to yeah. be sure. And I just love his delivery. McDermott's so great. And I just, I go back to that one a lot. Yeah. Jennifer? The only lines I can ever think of are, are Anakin's. Now this is pod racing. Are you an angel? Like those lines are just mm. so, they're so silly, but now I've grown to love them. So mm-hmm. that's, I'll give myself a pat on the back for, for maturing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm with you on a lot of things uh, that think even things that I'm like, well, I don't know about that. I've come to love them because they're just a part of the fabric of Star Wars. Uh, I will always love, I will make it legal. It's uh, mm-hmm. scary and absurd and also the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I love just as a comedy line, the um, you're right about one thing, Master, the no- negotiations were short. Oh, that's it's, a it's good such one. a great salty little Obi-Wan line. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I've always, uh, always liked at the end, the Obi-Wan's sincerity and the weight of, you know, the council is giving me permission to train you. You will be a Jedi. Mm, like, yeah. Good, bad, or otherwise, mm-hmm. you will be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Favorite character in The Phantom Menace. Jennifer, Ooh. do you have your favorite? Oh, I don't know. I don't mm. know. I, I I go, I have things I like of everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, I really, do, I remember, remember really liking Qui-Gon a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked him. Uh, he felt like a person that I connected with. I wanted to learn more about that I want to, I would want to meet in person. So that's why I'm saying Qui-Gon today. Nice. Good nice. answer. Yeah. Ken? That's a good answer. I think Padme Amidala is a good answer, I think. But I, I, I do have to go to Palpatine. I just keep mentioning it. I just think it was so awesome to have McDermott back yeah. and to get to see a different side. And I thought he played it so well. And I think there's so many layers to what he does in all three of the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Sith... It's a different. It's it's a it's over the top layers, and yeah. this one is just he's playing the politician, and that's what you get for most of it. And and uh, I really I can't separate myself from just loving everything he does. Yeah, Palpatine is great. Uh, Padme is great. Qui Gon is great. But I think for me, just uh, personally, my honest truth will always be Obi Wan. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. I think when I saw the movie, like I wanted to be Obi Wan. Uh, and I still kind of do. <laughs> hey, it's not a yeah. bad choice. Uh, favorite pod racer? <laughs> ah, ah, ah. So uh, many. I don't want to step on any of yours, sir. Um, <laughs> go for it. I, I, I'm going to go with Sebulba. Right. Nice. I really just love the grease lightning kind of rivalry between Sebulba and this human boy. Yeah. Uh, and that's, again, why it's played out in the novel differently. The opens up with them and, and Sebulba taking them out and... I just love his ship and the sound. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I just, I love Sebulba, man. Yeah. yeah. Sebulba's great. Uh, but I've also grown to love Rats Tyrell. Oh, yeah. He's so cute. The tragedy of Rats Tyrell. <laughs> yeah. And the tra- it's a real tragedy with his poor family <laughs> witnessing it. I mean, oh, now I, the parent, like, I, I, that really hits home oh, to it's me. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a tragedy. It's, it's tragic. You know, now we, we remember, now we get to see, see them walking with their heads down. Yeah, you see his family I, I saw in my most recent viewing. Oh, oh God, it's terrible. It's awful, but it's like, terrible. I don't like that. 
that that little side story that's going on. Yeah, that's why I like him. Yeah, um, it's always going to be Team Toe because of uh-huh. that uh, that yeah. video game, mm-hmm. that Phantom Menace playthrough video game. When you're trying to get yeah. Team Toe out of the bar, <laughs> <laughs> things don't go well for old Team Toe. Uh, thanks, Tuscan Raiders. Love that. Uh, all right, so I've got a, I've got a, a dumb fun question, but before that, any final wrap up thoughts, feelings, reflections? No, I just uh, you know it, it's it's one of the more controversial movies in the history of our pop culture be, uh, because of you know the the opinions it elicited, and I think it turned t- takes us into a modern era of fandom. It's still a yeah. long time ago, but a lot of sometimes the things we're dealing with now, where you know all uh, myriad opinions just rule the day. I think yeah. it's, a lot of it starts with that year. Yeah, Matrix is a great. I cannot tell you how many conversations I had with. Well, Matrix is better. Me going, no, it's not, <laughs> because I just you know I was digging in my heels on Star Wars. I just think it's an important movie for that. No matter what you think about it, yeah, what it brought and created, uh, it, it's 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 an important film. Yeah, Jennifer. Yeah, I think that I I'm sad that I took myself so seriously as a Star Wars fan back then. I've grown a lot. And I look forward to introducing my daughter to The Phantom Menace because I think she's going to enjoy it. And I hope that I'll get kind of a rebirth anew to be able to experience The Phantom Menace in a in a better better way. Oh, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. I think for me, uh, I, I will always have my uh, criticisms here and there, but I really, really come to love this movie. And it's a movie that really reminds me uh, that it is a chapter in a story and you can absolutely judge the chapter by the chapter but it becomes so much richer to me as a part of the story and it's just that movie will always be a reminder to me that an artist should create the art they want to and it was so cool that george lucas said hey i know you all have these attachments to star (laughs) wars but this is the story i always meant to tell and this is the way i want to tell it and damn it i'm gonna do it you know and just watching that is Two hours of pure, unadulterated George Lucas <laughs> is is a great experience. Uh, final, fun, weird question. If you could meet and hang out with any of the characters from Phantom Menace in real life, who would it be and why? Jennifer, you already said you wanted to meet Qui-Gon in person. Yeah, I'd love him to be my therapist. <laughs> or mentor. Your yes. focus determines your reality. Uh... Uh, I have a feel. I don't want to answer. No, go for it. No, 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 if no, you I have the same answer, that's just no. fine. I'm going to say uh, Boss Nass. Oh. <laughs> I think he's so silly and yeah. I love in a good way. And I think Brian Blessed is, is off his rocker at times in a good way. And I just love it. And it's got, it's just, it just seems like he's the guy I want to hang around with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to hang out with Watto, but we went through this whole podcast without mentioning Watto, oh, and Watto's true. pretty awesome. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to go with Rick Oli. I, I love the the joke of the absolute exposition guy, and I kind of want to go to a bar with him and just see if he goes, that's a whiskey, or if he actually has some like things to tell me I don't know about where I would learn a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Phantom Menace, 20 years, and here's the 20 more years of the Phantom Menace. Uh, I would love to uh, see a lot more uh, Lucasfilm, Disney press, books and stuff dealing with with the Phantom Menace. Uh, maybe we'll get a, a anniversary edition later on, like from a certain point of view. I think there's a lot of interesting stories and characters, and it's fun to look back. Joseph, thank you for taking us back. Absolutely. To 1999. And uh, we're going to go to some audience questions right now. And we'll tell you where to reach out at the end of the show. But we got our first one here from uh, Lakshana Shetana Sivananda. We are historically bad with names here. (laughs) 
uh, which I apologize to Eric Tassoni in person. He goes, you said my name correctly. I was like, oh, I was ready to apologize. Yeah. Um, Lakshana asks this. I love the book Queen's Shadow. It seemed to me to leave uh, the ending open for a possibility of a sequel book. Do you think that will ever happen? Thank you for the amazing podcast that you do. I really appreciate all of you. May the force be with you always. Uh, okay. Uh, yes. I don't think you can deny that, Joseph. The no. I kind of ended. Yeah. More ab- to come. Absolutely. The, uh, the, mm, the minor spoiler, but future adventures of uh, some of Padme's friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really set up for some interesting stuff. And I think the possibility of a sequel to this and maybe some other Star Wars books that, that feel sequel-like become even more possible when the there's not going to be uh, movies for three years. Mm. Yep. Maybe there'll be more book tie-ins uh, with Disney Plus shows, but I think there's a lot of room for the books to continue to kind of grow almost their own little universe that enriches the films. Like would, Queen's Shadow enriches uh, Phantom Menace so much. I mm. really would love that. That Now we don't have to necessarily worry, and I love it, but I, I don't want to worry about the, the journey too anymore. Yeah. Just, here's what we got. Yep. I love that. That's a great idea, Jen. Yeah, I haven't read Queen's Shadow, that's right, that's so right. I don't know what the ending is, but now I'm really curious. Yeah. Um, but sure. I'd also love to see this explored maybe in the audiobook form, like yeah. uh, what they were doing with, uh, what was the, the latest well, one? Well, Dooku, yeah. 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 Dooku, Lost Jedi. Jedi. Where it's only Jedi. audio yeah. only. That would be yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah. Which I haven't yeah. had a chance to listen to uh, yet. All right. Yeah, I agree with that. I, yeah, I definitely leave it open. You know, we'll see. It's it, it it it's easier to do a sequel to a book than it is a movie. You know, yeah. like solo and all that stuff. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Matthew Craven. Asks, hey, Force Center, love listening to you. Uh, my earliest memory of a Star Wars film was seeing The Empire Strikes Back. I was five or six, and the big reveal spoiler of Vader being Luke's father went right over my head. I didn't really even realize what it meant at the time. Instead, I was completely hung up, hurt, <laughs> and dumbfounded that someone would turn Han Solo into a rock. <laughs> Have there been any lesser Star Wars moments for you that have eclipsed the really big ones for you? He says, P.S., I'm in no way calling Han being frozen a small moment, which uh, in this day and age, yes, you have to clarify that sometimes, but we know what you mean, Matthew. Yeah, the big headline grab, dateline, uh, Bespin City is Vader is Luke's father, but there's a lot of things behind that. Han turning into a rock (laughs) is one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Joseph, do you have a second tier memory? Yeah, I think uh, uh, at different ages, I think sometimes like the big plot moment is not, doesn't live in my imagination as much. Like when I was a kid, I think the Obi-Wan Vader lightsaber fight Mm -hmm. was maybe a little bit more resonant with me than Luke blowing up the Death Star, even though that's the plot because the lightsaber fight was cool. And going back to Phantom Menace, uh, Qui-Gon dies and that has an effect on the future but I was so obsessed with that lightsaber fight like mm. technically there are some more important things like yeah. the, the way the, that Palpatine gets elected and the Trade Federation gets defeated but that, it was all about that fight for me yeah that's a that's a great great point there Jen yeah I feel like a lot of the prequels uh, went over my head and in our discussions I'm like oh that's that's what that is <laughs> oh the, that's the Phantom Menace like I mean like really I because I got so hung up on other things so now I'm having to go back and see what everyone else saw initially oh boy, uh. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be that guy and I'll go with something recent there's a lot of classic moments too but I in Solo, we get the uh, the headline is, uh, you know, Han and Chewie, and they form up, and they steal the ship. I just love 
Infus Nest, uh, revealing herself to be who she is and the Marauders, and there's mm. part of something bigger happening. And I think there's a lot to that moment. A lot to her taking off that mask in front of her rivals and saying, enough with this. Mm-hmm. Here's what this is about. And I think that was uh, sometimes lost yeah. by the viewings um, uh, and there. So, Matthew, great thought starter there. Going to Patreon, Bobby Rosales asks, do you think they should have had Ray uh, build a new lightsaber, new design, instead of have just having Luke's design again? I feel they should have done a double-bladed lightsaber for her since she knows how to use her staff. She could have used the blue kyber crystal from Luke's A New Hope uh, lightsaber and the green kyber from Luke's Return of the Jedi lightsaber, which I do believe, this is my editorial edition, is in the Lost and Found on Octo. <laughs> it's in the last Jedi novelization. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, yeah. Pretty, imply it pretty, yeah. pretty heavily. Yeah, they have a Lost and Found. It's there. Um, <laughs> but Bobby, a lot of people, this is on a lot of people's mind. We want uh, uh, lightsabers and who who has what and who designs what is very important. Jen, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I'm really torn because I see both ways. Where um, uh, There's got to be a reason why she's ha- still having Luke's design again. What would it have meant if she had built a new one? Could we have been too hung up on the story around it? I don't want that to take away much of the focus. Maybe at the end of the film, she builds her own. I don't know. So I can see the good and bad for both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was I was totally on, on Team Staff Saber until, uh, <laughs> until I saw the trailer and felt like this uh-huh. is a great visual way to tell the story of like, yep, Ray and our new heroes are alone. And it's their job to, to shoulder this burden. But what a great physical way to visually constantly say there are a thousand generations uh, in you beholding Luke Saber, Hans right. Blaster. I'm speculating responsibly, mm. but I'm hoping that Leia gives Ray that medal. So she's got, you know, a symbol of all of them and is carrying it forward. So mm. there's the I like the visualization of legacy more than I thought I was going to. Mm. And Jennifer, I'm also really with you. I also want to reserve judgment until I see the movie. Because I do think there's a possibility that we get that moment of her going totally into the new, Mm -hmm. totally into her own by building something different within the film. Right. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, it seemed at the episode nine panel that they they danced around that a little bit. They did. To be honest. They did. Daisy seemed to have some kind of like, I don't know, JJ, what can I say type of reactions to that. But there's no doubt that the lightsaber is there, which yeah. is why Bobby's asking this question. So, yeah, as much as a, a, sab- a saber staff and all this, that's that, that's cool, and I have no problem with that appearing at any point. What what Bobby's proposing does pay homage to the previous things, but you have to be simple, direct, and, and very visual at times, and I think that works for me now. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy where it's at there. Uh, it's, you know, hey, we're all collectors. Someone hands you something, you're gonna, you want to <laughs> keep it in good condition. Yeah. Final question today comes from Brandon Harbecki. A chance to meet Brandon out in Arizona at a comedy show. What a nice gentleman. And he writes, uh, why did Darth Sidious give Darth Vader a cape after his reconstruction? <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. It's oh. one of my favorite questions yeah, we've ever seen. Yeah, it's so seen. great. It's so great. Because uh, I think I had this thought in 2005 too, Joseph. Yeah, well, I, I just love thinking about it like Sidious is going through his closet going, what Sith relic? Really bring out Anakin style. Uh, yeah, I think uh, tradition. I mean, I think that we can see that armor is not just like something he whipped up, right? Yeah. There are traditions of the Sith in it in terms of its uh, vision and its meaning, and the cape is a part of that. But also I think that you can take a step back and say that capes are meaningful mm-hmm. in Star Wars. They do actually mean generally leadership and respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also that great detail in 
the Thrawn Alliances book where Anakin is thinking about the point of Jedi robes is being flowing and how much he doesn't like to be constricted. Mm-hmm. So there is almost a little bit of that, like, well, you're going to be constricted in uh, horrible body armor forever, but here's a little bit of flow. Yeah. So a couple different ideas for me about, yeah. about the capes. I think mm. capes are wonderfully deep and wonderfully silly in star Wars, which is, yeah. I think always what we were, that's the uh, symbiotic nature of star Wars too. <laughs> um, so I, I love the idea. I, I, I just, I, I still, I'm fascinated with the idea that Palpatine at one point picked out new outfits and armor and, and uniforms for his uh, new organization. <laughs> so I love yeah. that he, to me, it seems like it's in character that he has the foresight to be like, well, all right, what do I want him in? Yeah. We get a catalog out. <laughs> hey, this keeps in mind with Sith traditions. Mm. Uh, Jen? Yeah, thinking about this, whoa, I, I could talk about this for a long time. Love it. Uh, but capes, you know, what are fascinating about capes is they're very impractical, right? They can get caught on things. But what yeah. they also are is this like asserting dominance. You literally cannot help but take up space and people mm. around you have to move away to not <laughs> step on it or get caught up in it. You know, and so wearing a cape, I've worn capes before. There is something very powerful about it, even though it seems kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is, I think of Krennic's incredible white cape and that that shot that we see of him walking mm-hmm. the back of it. So yeah, that's what I can think of. And like <laughs> rides with their trains, mm. you know? Yeah. This is my big day. I am the star. <laughs> no one can walk within a certain you know amount that's, of feet around Don't me. step on my Sith train. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. No, that's a, that's a real... Uh, good uh, insight into that yeah absolutely. that makes a lot of sense to me how you know how can we be even bigger than we are exactly take up more space yeah great stuff brandon great stuff all of you there with those questions uh power of the light side joseph you sent out some requests that is right uh we've got uh, a bunch of people in our patreon who uh I, we would love to hear from you so check your patreon messages about what you love in star wars and we'll share it here on the show Absolutely. If you have a question or a thought or a comment, want to join the conversation on today's episode, you can reach out on Twitter using uh, follow us at Force Center Pod. Use hashtag Force Center. Like our Facebook page. Our website is forcecenterpod.podomatic.net. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Be like Eric to Sony. Get a shirt so I can identify you in an audience. Or Joseph can see you and go, come here. Uh, that's what we want to do. Uh, podcast. <laughs> I, I might greet you in a slightly different way. No, no, that's how you do it. That's how you, you're not watching. You're not I, I do play Play Mortal Kombat sometimes. Oh come here, come here. Yeah. Friendship. Uh, podcast yeah. available on Podomatic, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and a lot more. We're on YouTube with our animated Data McBrawl and a lot of other things there. And Joseph, uh, patron, we, we, got a, we got a reward coming. We got those trading cards. A lot going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? You covered it all. So just go to <laughs> patreon.com slash center. That's what we got going. More stuff coming. Absolutely. We got our own things going on. Uh, Jennifer, like what? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Jennifer Landa. YouTube.com slash Jennifer Landa, where I actually have a very old video of me playing Mortal Kombat against (laughs) a chicken. Like a chicken from the market. Headless chicken. Very intrigued. Wow. So ridiculous. Wow. That was a fun one. That, there's a lot there. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram. I, I sadly don't have any video game battles against headless chickens, but maybe with Jennifer's permission. I'll try that out. Uh, my handle is at Joseph Scrimshaw everywhere. Go to my website uh, for comedy albums, shows, all sorts of stuff like that. If you're in L.A., I'm doing a storytelling show uh, this week, Story Collider. Uh, I will be hosting and telling a story. My story is going to be about uh, Harry Potter and medical trauma. So Ah. come check that out. 
Outstanding. Good stuff there. I will be in Houston during that time doing comedy at the uh, Joke Joint. That's a real title, real name. But uh, I'm going to be uh, hosting Mark Ellis' uh, show there a lot on the on the panel. Live Schmodung in Houston. Uh, go to KenAppsack.com. This is the week. Uh, Why We Love Star Wars hits the streets. Yay. Beautiful forward written by Joseph and some great words about uh, Carrie Fisher and Leia in there from Jennifer as well. So check it on out. And uh, that is that for this week. There could be a lot more that we say about the Phantom Menace. In fact, there will be a lot more <laughs> to say about the Phantom Menace. But this is a good time to look back. It's all wizard. We'll see you next time on Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.